Have you opened your DF3 yet? I have, yeah. Well, where is it? I'm not telling you. <laughs> you know what happens? I bring things here and I never see them again. This is such bullshit. <laughs> like what you're insinuating. Like your tailor-made three-wood? All sorts of things. Go ahead. List some stuff. Because like I bring things here to give to you. Like I'm a net <laughs> positive on things being brought in for you to have. I'm not including saying Including you. your current putter. I'm not saying it's you. Mm-hmm. you so, you, But you are saying there's thieves here. Yeah, it's Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be too scared. Charles was like... He, he was like, yeah, I've been playing this club. And I was like, what club? And he was like, it was my club. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's just the way it works. Was know? it the I Mira? Mean, what was it? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was the Mira wedge. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it, it's like both of us are d- doing the same thing right now. I know. Well, I have I've a... looked at your bags. I have a five wood I have, that you broke on the way to Catalina. I, with the red and black shaft. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, uh, I, I'll and, die by uh, that. How many five woods should you have? Because he has another Sim five wood that you have. Yeah. Should any all man saying, have that many Sim five woods? It'd be nice to know. He's not telling you that he has a 59 degree mirror in his bag as well. <laughs> you don't. I do. No, yeah, he, he does. does. No, he does. Oh, you yeah, do. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. Oh, you have it. Yeah, I had to go in and like, I had to pry it out of Charles' hands. Oh, there you go. See? So which one do you have? The I don't have any. Mm. I have a tailor-made high toe that I've had for a long time. Not not from here before you both start looking at me. And You, you uh, bought it? Where, how did you acquire this? <laughs> you paid money for this? you have this? a receipt? By I didn't pay money for it. I got it Look, from one this of my is dads. now its own state. And when you enter with equipment, you have to bring a receipt. It's like customs. I'm down for that. I mean, hey, I'll go through the bag right now. Um, I, w- I want to see it. Tacoma, it's in, the, it's in the simulator bay. Tacoma 101s. Thank you very much, Tacoma. I have Wait, a, are those, were those my old ones, though? No. Those are from Where Tacoma. Where are my old ones? Your old ones are in the simulator. Really? Yeah. Okay. Your old ones were 101Ts. Fair. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. This is part of the problem. Sure. Uh, I have no inventory. I have a um, Sim 2 5-wood broken shaft. Yes, yours. Okay? Yeah. Cool. It's out of the way. Um, Sim 2 Max driver. Thank you, Dollar Driver Club. Yep. Um, Lab Mez 2. Uh, thank you, Lab. Matt's what about grab- wedges? Wedges? Skipped over the wedges. Let's, let's worry about the ledges, wedges another time. <laughs> There's a mirror in there. <laughs> I think there, there might be a mirror 51 in there. Yeah, the 51. You know what's funny? You know, you know who... <laughs> I don't think you're going to say something that's funny. You know who gave that to me? Um, who gave it? Who gave you that? You know who ground that club for my own swing? Ooh. Katsuhiro himself. Yeah. Yeah, you know he made sure that I left with those... Um, I didn't know he made you all three. In my hands, yeah. Yeah, I actually sat there next to this old man in, in remote Japanese village, and I watched him grind it myself, yeah. Yeah, so those, that is that is a suspect. What, what's the other wedge you have? Uh, I don't play enough wedges. I have a you 60, have a high I have toe? A, and I have a 60-degree tailor-made high toe that I got from my, uh, my dad's friend, Charlie. Who threw it? Is Charlie available, right? Chasbo? Does he play golf actually, or he does? You you would like Charlie? <laughs> Charlie's a random golfer. He's one of the hits the demo. Look, this is one of those things where it's like all you can eat. You know what I mean? It's this is one of the benefits of working at RGC, where you know, hey, if you're smart, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna magnetize some gear. You know, I will also True. point out. Speaking of the bag, my bag itself, yeah. I am currently using the the offices Hofer Light. Yeah, Hofer it's Light. a great bag. It is, I think, a wonderful bag. I can't. I really hope someone from Ping is listening because I would love to, if you would like to make a bag with us. Yeah, I mean, we love the bag. I, I, the blue one, I did pay for. The neon one. Yeah, I bought that in Ireland. 
Yeah, I remember you got that like overseas, just, and then just, you used it for a while. No reason. Rosapena? Uh, no, it was a course called uh, Corvallis. Mm. It's like a we we did a little video on it, or Landon did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Kev, are we speeding on that camera? We are. What do you got in your bag? Uh, I have a Ping G four twenty five plus. For my driver, I have. I mean, for my five wood, yeah, I have yeah. a Sim Sim Max, your old one. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Five wood or three wood? Five wood. Five. five. Do you got a hazardous smoke in that? What what shaft is in there? I think it's a hazardous smoke. Unsure. Yeah. 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 It is actually. Um, for irons, I have Tacoma one hundred one Ts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh -huh. Those are straight from Tacoma. Straight from, yeah. They, was, they sent them. My Christmas present to Keffer from <laughs> yeah. Tacoma. Yeah. Christmas yeah. present. <laughs> That's a very JoJo thing to if say. All you like, did I got you this for Christmas email. from Tacoma. But yeah. no way he did because, like, I wouldn't have those clubs if he hadn't have been like, hey, a couple people in the office yeah. want some clubs. So, like, rocking Tacomas, love them. Um, for wedges, I'm using Vokies, Vokie SM8s. Where'd you get those? I bought them. Yeah, <laughs> you said that so guiltily. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I bought them. I broke ninety for the first time, and I went and bought a this. driver and wedges. Yeah, I remember this. How long have you been playing the irons? Um, I've been playing the irons for maybe three or four months now. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And what did you have before? I had Titleist T three hundreds. Oh yeah. wow! So this is a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah the T three hundreds are like I guess they're like cavity back game improvement type irons yeah they're uh i liked them a lot I, I actually got them from my friend who he won a golf tournament won these irons and was like hey i have like 1100 1100 irons i'll give them to you for 300 bucks yeah and i just started playing golf at the time so that was and t300s was, are kind of um they're kind of like they're kind of thin no that's the that's the t200s the t200s okay. are like the like more like bladey cavity back ones okay yeah the 300s are more they're more similar to the 101 t's yeah 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 that's cool what's your favorite club in the bag right now mez notwithstanding because it has to be the mez yeah. by the way uh welcome to the eric anders lang show brought to oh, you yeah. by lab golf well we we love lab we love I, I mean yeah the putter is my favorite club in the bag i kind of like in the three iron mm. Yeah, you've been pulling that on boxes on yeah. this last Adventures in Golf trip. Yeah, I mean, with I really have only missed like one, like that one tee shot where the 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 guy we were playing with said it was uphill into the wind, and he said it was playing the number, and that oh. got in my head, and so I snap hooked it. <laughs> that was wait, that was first hole, right? Second hole. Second, Second hole. hole, yeah. yeah that, was, that, was, that was a hard dose right yeah. there of like, you know, it would be like going out with a girl, and she's like, you know, I. Yeah, and then says yeah. something that you can't at all. Like, like it, would, it would be like going out with a girl or, or going up to a girl and being like, hey, you're so beautiful. Can I get your number? And then she starts reading out a telephone number, but then like she starts reading more digits than there are <laughs> in a telephone number. And yeah. you're like, hold on. Yeah. I don't think it's playing that number. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something more like, you know, like she just, it immediately goes to like politics or religion in a way that you just can't get down with. Yeah, you can't get back from it. it in, so the course vlog will come out in a couple of weeks. This is in the 77th best course in the world, according to some publications. Um, it was on this Adventures in Golf trip, which we're talking about today. And we, we filmed a video for you to go on YouTube. And uh, you went out and they, they forced us to have a caddy, as some of these courses do. Really nice guy. Some confusing numbers. Yeah, there was some maths that were not like they didn't they didn't add up, if you will. Specifically, tell this one because this one's this one was killing me because I was like right next to it and I I didn't know what to do. The second shot on the yeah. second hole. Yeah, I mean I hit a pretty good drive. 
Um, it was into the wind, so probably I think it only went like 250, 240. And then it was a 450-yard hole, so I had 200 in. Over 200. I think it read 212 on the cart. Yeah. Yeah, or on the, on the range finder. Yeah, it, it, was, it was two plus, and then um, it was uphill for sure, and it was like very much into the wind. And the caddy, nice, nice young man, said, uh, you know, he was he was sort of doing the math out loud, and he goes, da, da, da. he goes, yeah, so just play to play the number. And I was like, wait, that that's like that does that's not it can't play the number. And that's that's a point where you know you're like watching a magician, and you're like, this guy's faking it, or or when you're like, I don't. It's almost like when you know, you ask your dad for advice, and you're like, well, I guess this I'm not going to take this advice. I'm going to go alone. So I pulled a three iron because I was like, it's got to be playing two thirty at least. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I hit a, I hit a terrible shot. Yeah. And and what is your three iron play like? Not in the wind. Two twenty five. So into the wind, like you can't even really get it there. I then hit a second ball, and that club, that ball was short of the green. Yeah. And I hit it straight, perfect. And so it was a five wood for sure. Yeah. There's there's almost no worse feeling in golf than pulling a club you know you can't get to the number. Yeah. And being like, I guess I'll try. Yeah, that is that is that that does feel like you're just sort of like throwing throwing something away. Yeah, a shot maybe. Yeah. Point, point Hardy. Yeah, I mean that was the Saint Lucia. Um, what? How did? How would you describe the course? How would you describe your expectations going into it? I mean, that's a tough question. Like. I didn't really have too many expectations. I mean, you know, you had seen a course on the internet a few times and yeah, I mean, I was like really excited to go and, um, you know, like it's certainly, it's, it's almost like, it, can, can a course be too good? Yeah. Like, can it be too good? When you mean, can it, like, how do you mean, how do you mean like how it looks like the maximalist mentality of it or, or how do you mean it, it was like overwhelming. Do you think you'd have a different opinion on the course had you played out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a hard course. It's a really hard course. Yeah, yeah, like it's the hard. Wind's ripping. Like yeah. some of the most intimidating tee boxes I've ever seen on a golf course. Yeah, just and also it's a course where you really need to know your numbers and then know those the numbers and then in between them you're gonna like get lucky. Yeah. Whereas I feel like when we played Kapalua, like wasn't quite like I guess because Kapalua has such bigger greens, it's like a bit easier to like feel satisfied. Yeah, I, mean, I think also with Kapalua, you had Michael on the front nine, so you got like really used to the conditions, and you like kind of like had a better understanding of like how to play each shot. Yeah. Y even after he left. Yeah, I think honestly, the I would say the biggest thing about Point Hardy Cabot St. Lucia is like. Because of the wildness of the landscape, you have to be confident with the shot you're hitting. And I very quickly, like my first drive, I drove it into a ditch. And it was a straight drive. It just drove into a ditch. And it's like that's because like there's a ravine that runs like, you know, from short left to long right. So like if you're going to hit a draw, it's going to go in the ditch. So it's kind of like from the very beginning, you're like, well, what? what what shot do i hit here and i didn't hit a great shot and then and then the second hole there was that same thing so it's like what you're talking about is like you know there was only one shot at kapalua was uncomfortable which right, one on was the that? sixth hole 
I had a good drive and then oh, I had, yeah, like, yeah, I had yeah. like 120. Yeah. I just wasn't comfortable and I, and I almost shanked it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you would need a blindfold would be better. Like if that, that's the irony is like you could play really well at St. Lucia if you had a blindfold on. But that would really like totally like absolve the point of flying there. Yeah, because the whole point is the drama of the yeah. landscape. I would also say the the natural topography of the course kind of hides a lot of the wind. Like yeah, you don't really know what the what the wind's going to do to your ball, and then all of a sudden it's up there, and all you can do is kind of like wave wave goodbye. Yeah, because you're all the time you're like trying to play a draw into this like cut wind. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just killing it and setting it to well, the, and the whole spin around in a in a kind of a chaotic way too, where it's like you know there are not two holes. Well, with the exception of 15 and 16 and like kind of 17 like there's there's really not any holes that like you know continue in the same direction right yeah i didn't think about that but yeah because even they all just kind of turn into themselves and then kind of zodiac around i guess three no because three three dog legs four's a par three five's downhill six six five and six are similar and six, 15 and 16 are similar. Yeah, but even five and six, five is that like downhill one from the... That's six. No, five is the par three, right? Five is that kind of like long par three to the comfort station? Yeah. Which, uh, goes, the oh. other, which goes the other direction. Oh, there's a three and a four. Yeah. And five is the par three. Six is the downhill. Seven's over the water. Eight. Is, I don't think we know the routing. No, I think you were right, actually. Yeah. I think five is the downhill. Six was that weird tee shot. That like is so beautiful. You go up around to the right, yeah, and then you're underneath. But again, even then, you're so hidden from the wind, yeah. And then it just hits you off the ocean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then nine's a part three. I couldn't hit the green. Nine was um nine was a tough one. Uh, ten, you'll see it in the video. Ten, ten was something I've never seen before on a golf course. And stung. Yeah, you said I'm not leaving. You you Jordan <laughs> Belforted. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Number ten. Yeah. I'm not leaving until I hit. I think the it was like away. ten balls. It wasn't like ten, but it was like two balls, but. It was. It felt longer. Um, Kevin, what did you think of St. Lucia? This is this is Adventures in Golf, mm. the second half of the island season. Yeah. Uh, s- wow, St. Lucia. Uh, I found myself like so. When, whenever I'm filming, I'm always thinking like, "Ooh, I wish I could hit a golf shot right here." But at St. Lucia, there were so many more times where I was just like, "Ooh, I wish I could hit a golf shot right here," and that's like kind of the kind of like the bittersweetness of like sh- of like filming because like I'm not there to play golf I'm there to like I'm there to film I'm there to have a job and like it's uh it was it's a beautiful course and like it's just a lot of like it you know like it puts you in a lot of weird situations and those like weird situations are where I really get excited about golf so like I was uh was a bit a bit jealous of Eric playing but like uh it was it was like a beautiful course I think like I, I guess when we go shoot adventures in golf, I'm not really thinking about the course. Mm-hmm. So I think the story was like it says like maybe it's a maybe it's too much of a compliment, but I think the story we told is like way like the course is great, but the story we told is like incredible. I think. What aspect of the story was the surprised you the most? Was it the father and son, or was it the the woman on the beach, Marjorie? Or I mean. It's pretty wild to think that a, a, this a kid grew up there, learned how to like get into golf through his dad, then moved to America, got into the PGM program, got a job at LACC, and then moved back to St. Lucia to be the head pro at home. Which is just that—that's a little bit fairy tale. 
That's yeah. the word we kept using. Yeah, it's like unbelievable, you know? Yeah, so to to fill in the details there, you have this, the current head pro of St. Lucia used to work at LACC, and he grew up on St. Lucia, which has an island population of, how many people live in St. 150. Lucia? 150,000 people. How many people live in LA? Uh, like dozens of millions. Dozens of Depends millions. Depends on how big you draw the net. But yeah. 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 So just just imagining that. And he always wanted to leave. And then he decided to come back. And there was a golf course waiting for him. Yeah. That had been built in the time he was gone. It's crazy. Yeah. My favorite part about that was uh, talking to Andrew. And he's like, he's like, look at this resume. Like the, this is unreal. A guy from the island leaves, goes and plays at one of the most prestigious courses in the States. And then wants to come back and head pro here. It's just it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you can't like, you, you never know what it's going to be like going into it because you also have like, um, <clears throat> you know, like there's a story and then there's like, you know, this is a documentary show. So it's like, we're not there to just like go tell the story for them like we're there to hear them tell us the story so that's that's part of like a logistical challenge you know it's like it's interesting because like we've never filmed on a golf course that has basically been unbuilt like the course is there but there's not a structure to be found so we we were in the wind we were in the rain and we couldn't find places to do interviews which was very new yeah we we ended up going in this old greenhouse we set up this beautiful shot you have all these old mowers the state of the line uh, equipment we go to sit down in the interview and all of a sudden the wind starts making this racket yeah it was like, crazy unfilmable yeah we, the the it was a temporary um you know like maintenance shed which was like kind of like a, a like a airplane hanger made out of like paper felt like um like a, a futuristic like somewhere you know that if you lived on mars yeah they would like build that terrarium around you. Yeah. yeah. And then when the wind blows, it just, it sounded like there's just like a bunch of slapping. It was very jarring. And and then Andrew, Mr. Andrew, uh, Nival's dad, you know, like quiet man. Soft-spoken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very soft-spoken. Yeah. And at one point in the interview, Joe was like, uh, can you speak up? And he's like, yes. So let me tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> he went, he might've gone quieter. Like yeah. uh, I'm being honest. He really did. It was funny. <laughs> um, top best food in St. Lucia. Indian. Oh, oh yeah, really? I about that. No, I liked the like fish fry thing we did at Marjorie's. Oh, Dukes. Yeah. yeah, Dukes. Oh, Dukes. Yeah. Dukes was Dukes was so good. Yeah. Indian was good. I loved Mar. I loved Marjorie's as well. Yeah. Indian Indian was like number three for me. Really, we kind of some was good too at Kiwi's. Oh yeah, yeah. You guys ordered well there. I think I got. Some, I think I had more bones in my fish. <laughs> I think I ordered more fish there, and it was more bone than fish. Yeah. Um, wasn't expecting that. Um. I had a question about St. Lucia. What do you believe the statistics around gender in St. Lucia? No, <laughs> no. Like who we got us, in the who car. Who told us them first? Linus. We got in the car, and the cab driver. We had like an hour drive. He was like, "Well, the thing about St. Lucia is there's five women for every man," and like we went through the whole trip believing that somehow there was thirty thousand men and one hundred fifty thousand women. On the island. Yeah, and that we were just never seeing any of the women. Yeah, and then yeah. we Googled it, and it was like, could, couldn't be less further from the truth. It was, there was 0.96 women for every 1.01 1. 01 men. So that's like, it's not the same. Yeah. 
Just misinformation. I think they just use that to justify their uh, their polygamy. <laughs> their polyamorous <laughs> ways. Hey, I mean, that, that you know, like that actually probably, that's like lobbying, you know? Yeah. That's manifestation, I think, is, is yeah. the other way. Yeah. The, the, by the way, manifestation. the, the hour-long uh, cab ride that was supposed to be 15 minutes yeah. um, without telling us. <laughs> the yeah, other part of this episode people. was it felt like everyone else had a grand design. Everyone we met had a grand mm-hmm. design for where yeah. the story was going to go. Yeah. We were like um, friendly subjects. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we were kind of on a like in a rush to get to the airport, and like the driver was like, "Let me take you along this route because you can see this with your cameras." I was like, "We've seen everything with the cameras, guys, and we <laughs> yeah, have to get to the airport." Away. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, oh, I, I never heard about that. I never heard about the ride back. How was the ride down? Oh, the ride the ride down was was fine. Uh, it could have like turned very long if we would have let the driver. Uh, yeah, like sick dude, awesome guy. Uh, but like, they just want to show you the country in Saint Lucia. They yeah. just like. They're just like, we want to show you this. We're so proud of this. Um, but that can like also result in delays. See, uh, we took a different mode of transportation down to the airport. Um, one, we, we took a helicopter. We thought that we left the clubs. Um, that was stressful. That was jarring. We got in the helicopter. I've never been in a helicopter before. And the whole time I was really excited for it. And then as soon as we took off, I was like, oh, my, am I going to die? You know, like you immediately, did. immediately swap. Well, like. Oh, good. It, <laughs> It opened up the possibility. You never told me this. Yeah, well, then Eric goes over the intercom to the pilot, who I think had braces. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not, not that that means his flying. Youngest pilot on earth. But he's like this Dutch guy. Yeah. And uh, mm. maybe was he German? He, he just, it all felt Dutch. He wasn't uh, local. He wasn't local. No. Yeah. And it seemed like something had brought him there uh, to yeah. the island. And, uh, and the helicopter is much smaller than I thought it would be. I think I told you that. It's a tiny one. And Eric goes, hey, um, can we do the, what was it called? The whip tail? Well, I asked for a whale tail. Yeah, can we do a whale tail? And the pilot was like, what's a whale tail? And that actually made me feel worse. <laughs> like, that he didn't even know the, the insane maneuver. Because, like, what if we ended up in one by accident and he wouldn't know how to get out of it, you know? Like, I don't know what a whale tail is. And Eric is like, no, I'm not, I'm kidding. Like, you know, I was doing, I was just doing a funny. And, uh. The pilot was like, tell me what a whale tail is. Yeah, he like didn't want to drop it. Didn't want to drop it. So then I explained what a whale tail is from my point of view, which is where you're flying along straight at a kind of a high rate of speed, and you basically go straight up. And then when you get to the top like of that arc of going straight up, you let the you let the rotor of the chopper spin you around, and then you come down. So it's like it's kind of like if you're in a skateboard park, you do, it's just going up out of the pool and then going back down in or the half pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple yeah. move. I would imagine the the sensation is what it feels like when people die, and then someone resuscitates them immediately. Well, you experience zero gravity. Yeah. You basically float for a minute, and so then he the the pilot was like, "That's not called a whale tail. That's called a torque twist or a hammerhead." Hammerhead. Ooh, I like that name better. Hammerhead's kind of sick. Hammerhead stuck with me. And then he said, we could do one. Yeah, and at that point, the moment had gone. Well, and then we were like, he was like, we can do one, but it'll be dangerous. You know, we're coming down. And I was like, maybe next time. I don't think we need to do that. It was was like a plastic helicopter, I think. It was a toy. It was. I wasn't convinced he was flying it. I thought someone on the ground might have like a small remote. Yeah. Well, and also the sun was right over the blades. And so there was this like um, strobe light effect happening, which made me feel like I was going to have a seizure as well. It's not where you want to have it. I just like, you know, like, 
what do you say at that point? Like bring it down? Like I'm, I'm, you know. Hey, just set us down. We gotta, yeah. 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 By the way, we're over just straight rainforest, and these two, the Pitons, which are the two giant mountains. Yeah. Off the uh, coast. Of- what's What's the biggest benefit? I don't know if I told you this, but like the biggest benefit from riding in the because I'm af- I'm afraid of flying, right? You guys know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's gotten way better over the years. Now it's just now it manifests as like, you know, I get on the plane and I basically like say everything i'm grateful for and like you know i assume that like there's a <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah totally. i mean i figure every time i get on a plane it's like this is like yeah yeah this could be your last <laughs> you flight. just spend so much time on airplanes i know it's tough but it's gotten better but it, you never know and so but then for some reason after the helicopter i was fine on the plane oh wow even yeah. even in all that turbulence didn't bother me yeah, yeah we really hit, we hit a thunderstorm on Did the way back you? to austin no it, it we 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 didn't hit a thunderstorm. Like, we hit, like, that was probably, when was the last time we've experienced that much turbulence? Uh, flying into, there was one more it was in Europe, I believe. I don't remember where. It might have been, like, coming into Frankfurt or something like that. That's the only other time at work I've experienced turbulence like that. But it was, like, top 10. Yeah, top 10. Yeah, top Maybe five. even top me. five. One, one of the yeah. probably top five in my life. Um, I mean, it was, it was, the plane was moving in ways that I was unfamiliar. Exactly. Yeah. It was like pivoting. Yeah. Yeah. It, the like plane was, was spinning. Yeah. That yeah. was a feeling that I've never felt before. And the decision <laughs> for the, the, usually when you're in the turbulence, they just go up to avoid it. And the decision to go low. That was strange. And then we flew for the last hour of the flight. Maybe it wasn't like that long. 5,000 feet. 5,000. Like I was, I was looking on the window. It looked like Texas. Did you look any either of you look out the window during that period of time? I had an aisle seat. I don't think I did. I did, and Texas just looked weird at night. And I think maybe it's because it was raining so hard, but it looked mm. underwater. Like all the lights looked halogen. And we were low enough that I could see people biking. Like I could see individuals. Were they looking up at us like, oh my God? I mean, I was wondering if they were like, what's going on? Well, I don't think you can see turbulence from the ground in a plane. Ah, that'd be I've, cool. I've wondered it so many times. And you shared a fact with us. We're getting more of it? More turbulence? I mean, that's the word on the street is climate change is affecting, uh, you know, smooth flyers. It's, it's, it's the, the skies are getting bumpier, folks. I feel mm. like in general, air travel over the last 50 years, like, this must have gotten better, but I, you look at old photographs of airplanes and it looks like a vibe. Yeah. What, what, why? What do you mean? Like, it, I feel like less people were on them, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it was more people were doing exercises and smoking yeah. and sitting in like, it looks like they had rocking yeah, less chairs then for sure, yeah. in the 50s or something. Like, yeah. it just looked like it was more of a party up there. Yeah. I wonder why. I think fuel might cost a lot less. Um, travel was less common. Yeah, it might have been like more luxury, I guess. Well, and also probably like there was a time when the only way to get a plane ticket was a travel agent. Oh, wow. Like imagine that. What do you mean? Like you had to know someone? Well, yeah, you couldn't book it online. How are you going to call? What are you going to call the airline? Was there ever a time where people just go to the airport? Just go to the counter. Interesting. Have you ever bought a ticket at the counter of an airport? Good question. I don't don't think I ever have. I feel like I have, but it was a unique scenario. Like you were already there doing something else? Yeah, I think, I think it was like uh, something had happened. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just a raw show up and like we're gonna do this. You, it was like you were changing your flight, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you were like changing from one city to the other. I can see that happen. I've always wanted to go to the airport and just be like, "What's the next one?" Yeah, I've always wanted to do that as a YouTube video or something. Yeah, like kind of the spin the globe. I mean, thing. This would be a great video. Like, like sh- get on the next flight that they've got, show up, land, throw up the bat signal, and be like, "Where are we playing golf?" 
first yeah. person to respond. I'll see you there as soon as I can get there. We actually had this idea in the 2021 like content planning meeting. Oh yeah, this is one of the ideas. Yeah, what, walking on with Kevin Rhodes. No, no, no. Showing up to the airport, like showing up to the airport, buying the next flight out, hitting the ground, and going to the closest golf course to yeah. course to the airport. Yeah, it goes so well or so poorly. All depends where you land. It could be good. It just depends what the golf and then course. You, and then and then you could and then you could also be like you have no money. You have no money. Yeah, yeah you got to oh, get back home. Spend some time. So, and- so I did want to shoot this in Hawaii. We just never did. Um, we didn't have time. But I did want to drop Kefir somewhere, <laughs> like w- near a dream golf course of his, with zero money. And he has to earn enough money over the course of the day, however, the however he can, to play the course. He has to like earn his bones. What do you? How do you think that would go? I think pretty well. I think like uh. You know, early on, one of my skill sets was acquiring money very quickly, like like small amounts of money very quickly, like less than a thousand dollars. Okay. Um, I constantly had roommates who wouldn't pay rent, so I would just like, okay, how are in the next like forty eight hours, how are we going to get four hundred dollars? And we how always would you do did. it. I don't know. Um, usually, <laughs> what do you mean? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, like I I like I I know it, but like it's just like various things. One one time, I was a sign spinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I I did that one day. Um yeah. Uh I mean it's just like odd jobs like here and there. Um Did yeah. you w- were you good at sign spinning? Uh I mean like I learned a couple tricks in the like day and a half that I did it. Does yeah. it pay? How does it pay? It paid it pays you would like you wouldn't believe how well that pays relative to other like n- n- no entry level. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking like hourly jobs. here. Yeah. Like does it pay minimum wage? No, I mean like it was significantly higher than minimum wage. Really? Yeah. It was like twenty seven dollars an hour. Does a business hire you or does an agency hire you? An agency hires you and then to spin signs. Yeah. Yeah. I did this when I was twenty years old. That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, someone should really bring a sign spinner into golf. If you think about it. Yeah. Just stand outside of golf courses. Like at, at events? Yeah. They have like, like, the, stand, like yeah. the standard bear instead of <laughs> yeah. they're just spinning it. Quiet, please. I can't see what the score is. Quiet, Stop spinning please. the sign. Yeah. I uh, I rented out margarita machines. I sold bongs on Amazon. <laughs> I did, I've done a lot of things, man. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but like, yeah. So like, what what, but what would your go to be in IRL? Yeah, what's we'll just gameplay it out. Like, what, what would you say? Um, I, you've already paid that page. Tory Pines, we're dropping you in San Diego. Okay. Uh, you have like a 4 p.m. Tory Pines tea time. It's what is like $240 out yeah, of out of state. Like you need yeah. to earn $240. It's 8 a.m. Ooh. You got eight hours. Yeah. I think anytime you want any information in a place you're not, you know, you like, like you have no, it's not your home base, go to restaurants and talk to servers. Yeah. Like that's like the, that's the, like back in the day, like that's like, if you're in a new place and you want to buy weed, that's the number one place to do it. Really? Yeah. Servers. They always know. They're kind of yeah. like the, they're the connection between the overlord, the underground and the, uh, and the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they manage the trade. Yeah. They're, they're right there in the middle. They, um, they bring the goods and sustenance from the, beneath the ground, the cooks, yeah. the line cooks. Yeah. To the above ground folk. Yeah. 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 They, they, they like habitate like a liminal space, like right in between. Absolutely. And then I would hit up Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. Just Craigslist. Like, like, does somebody need something moved quickly? And like, you can like rent a truck, make sure you hit your margins and then go to Tory Vines. Yeah. I mean, I could see it working. I believe it. Um, we got to go to a break, but when we come back, 
Bermuda. Bermuda. Here's the fa- here's the straight talk. If you're not LinkedIn, you're linked out. My ass is on LinkedIn almost 24/7, and the reason why is because of LinkedIn jobs. No joke. I am looking for work. I am open to work. Anything you see, actually, waste management. I saw you were on there asking if you could be one of the people holding back the throng of people. <laughs> Let's just say things aren't going great at Random Golf Club. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everything's going great. I'm hiring. Uh, but LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion. That's that's that's, that's a lot of people. That's three Americas. Yeah. More than three Americas that's of professionals. That's a big network. That's Imagine a... knowing a billion people. Bro, your head would explode. That's why LinkedIn does the work for you. Hiring is easy with LinkedIn because you don't need to keep track of the billion. You have too many qualified candidates. Anyway, so so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Guys, that's faster than calling the police, okay? LinkedIn is the police of hiring. They'll even do background checks. I'm not sure if that's true. But anyway, LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing many hats, literally, like small hats, big hats. <laughs> and, and figuratively. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. So please pay attention to the call to action here. Ladies and gentlemen, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash E-A-L show. That's linkedin.com slash E-A-L show to post your job for free. Obviously, terms and condition is ply and don't hire any assholes because if there's a billion people on LinkedIn... There's definitely some Debbie Downers, but ultimately, a lot of positive ones. E-A-L show is the code at linkedin.com slash E-A-L show. Plunge. All right. Plunge, everybody. You need to do this. <laughs> Just like, I don't even know. Like, there's no other yeah, CTA. There's, there's no, we try to do a CTA one with the plunge guys, and they refuse to even do their own ad read. You just, here's the thing. It's like, there are things that you do naturally. Mm-hmm. Breathing. Okay. Digesting. Sweating, blinking, coughing, sneezing. Any of the other things. That's it. Okay. Those are the only things you do like naturally. Like like what they call that is um subconsciously. I see what you mean. It's called autonomically. Yeah, if you like think too hard about breathing, you start to fuck it up. Yeah. Autonomic is um it's involuntary, right? And so it relates to the autonomic nervous system. Now there are a few pathways into the autonomic nervous system. No, it's not what you're thinking. You don't know this at home because you're only listening, but he's actively getting more excited. I am. No, I, I'm a fan, right? Like, we all know this. I'm a fan, but I'm here to make you a fan because there are only a few ways to crack inside the firewall of your own autonomic nervous system. And there are two main benefits we're talking about here of cold therapy using a plunge which is available at plunge.com and the code if you're just ready to go now is low temps low scores a lot of people have already used this code i was very excited to hear that from the boys over at plunge because that means that you're listening and i know you're on your way to unlocking how great you can be you know i think of my body as a unit as a unit I think of it as a unit. I think of it as an organism. I think of it like I take my own consciousness and take it outside of my body, and I think of it like, hey, this is a flower. This is a fucking tree. This is a snowblower. This is a, this is a, a, a tree trimmer. You know, my body is an engine. And so what 
I put in my body, how I treat my body, the oil that I put in, the fuel that I put in, how often I clean it. You know, I'm not talking about showers. Showers is my skin. My body is the internal organs that create a feeling of like satisfaction and success. Anyway, going back to the autonomic nervous system, the way to crack into the code here is there's three things you can do. And some of these things also not only create new brain cells, but they also create HGH, which is human growth hormone. Women take it when they're trying to get pregnant. It costs how much, Jojo? More than it should. It costs $600 for one shot. Wow. You stick it in your ass, your cheek, your ass cheek, <laughs> and you get a shot, and, it, and like you, it's $600. The plunge is $4,000. That's five shots. Boom, you're done. Well, the plunge is actually less than that if you use the code low temps, low scores. Nothing is actually going to make an impact on those numbers like the products that come out of Plunge in Sacramento, California. So please, low temps, low scores. Your body's a unit. Treat it as such. Go for a drive. I do have a question for you. You you turned 43 a couple days ago, and you went viral a day or two before that for ranking courses. Do you, you want to change your rankings at all? Do you stand by them? How do you feel about them? Any comments particularly like stand out to you? I mean, yeah. I mean, we ranked what, what I basically, and <laughs> I basically said what are I believe are my top five best public courses in the United States based on you know um, playability, um, you know the way it looks, and you know value was also part of it. History as well, yeah, and some history, right? So like. Yeah, I picked what like uh, three major championship venues: Aaron Hills, Bethpage, and um, Chambers Bay. Yeah, and you know major championship venues, yeah. but also public facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tobacco Road, uh, and Bandon Trails, and then Bandon Trails, which has like a, a piece of my heart. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I think some people didn't understand these, you know, but like I I stand behind them. Yeah, Holy. if you were to round that out to the top 10, what else are you including in there? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I mean, these five courses, when I think of golf, yeah, when I think of like playing 18 holes and like, you know, wanting a challenge and like a and like a a great combination of like value, condition, architecture, and like postcard stuff, like photographs. Um yeah, I'm, I've, I don't, I wouldn't change those. And then there's a different list for like best bang for the buck, which is going to have Rustic Canyon and others like that. And like Palm Beach part three, which is, it's going to come out soon. But like the others in that list of like, oh, I mean, there, there are uh, certainly, certainly a handful of other courses that I was add to it. Um, gosh, like, let me see. Like we're talking like world-class. I mean, I guess you could put Sawgrass in there. Like sawgrass is kind of like an incredible Kiwa sawgrass. Yeah, those are two like obviously higher priced. Yeah, it well, just feels like they're in a different category, which is what I don't think people understood. Yeah, I mean Pebble sawgrass and and you know Kiwa yeah. are all like several several hundred dollars around, but they are they're and and to some extent like they're maintained just as well as the other ones, but yeah, they're kind of like a five star, and the, and they're also kind of like. A little obvious. Are they that? Are they that much more than Chambers? Yeah, I mean, I think Chambers is like around three hundred. Oh, okay. Peak, and like Pebble six fifty. Uh, Kia was five hundred. 
I'm gonna look up sawgrass because I think it's more sawgrass than sawgrass is like four fifty. Wow, at least it could even be five hundred. Yeah, yeah. You could put in, I guess the so I'd do those three and then maybe add in. Yeah, six fifty now. Six fifty yeah. for sawgrass. Yeah, inflation. Yeah, I guess the other two that I would look to in the U.S. would be um, kind of unprepared for this one. But what, what about um, Pasa Tiempo? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was one that came in that I definitely said in the top ten. That was a comment. Yeah, Pasa Tiempo is great, and then there's got to be a, a dope. What about any of the uh, Sand Valley courses? Yeah, I mean, my my favorite at Sand Valley is Lido, which is like not quote unquote mm-hmm. public. Yeah, I suppose you all. could play there. No, but it's like hard to pick another course at the same like kind of um, resort or, or whatever if you like another course more. That's how I feel like when I watch a movie and someone gets nominated for best actor or actress in the movie. Yeah. But I thought the supporting actor was better than them in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, can we really give them like the best actor if their co-star outperformed them? Yeah. I would agree with that. I'm trying to think here, like, like what, what would that other fifth one be? I think I'm trying to think of like, um, um, there's like a really good course uh, called French Lick, you know, mm-hmm. near Valhalla, and that's a that's like that's a Pete Dye course. That's public. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I think you might need to stay at the resort, but it's like mm-hmm. it's in the middle of Indiana. I think the resort's like two hundred bucks. The golf might be two fifty or something. Mm-hmm. That would be sick. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, but but we're also talking about like pedigreed known public tracks. Pinehurst too. On the um, yeah. I I buy by the way. Pinehurst is a great call. I would put Presidio up there. I think Presidio was a great course. Yeah, I like I like Presidio. Yeah, Kevin and I did this on the Matt Scramble tour at some point. He ranked every single course he played in the last year, two years. Yeah. I guess like since I started playing golf. And it was like kind of like how many courses have I played? Don't know. Um 20, 25. So what came into the top five? Uh Beth Page Black. Hell yeah. Um Pack Dunes, Bandon Trails. And this is in no particular order except Beth Page. It's number one. Um Hell yeah. You're not the only one, Beth Page, but you're the number one. Yeah. Beth Page is number one for sure. That man. What'd you do on four? On four. The par five. Two. Oh, I I shot I hit par on on that par five. No yeah, way! Yeah, yeah, played it like drew it up exactly how I saw it on my head on the tee box. Yeah, so you, like a you, good you laid up. I mean, you yeah. got to lay up. Yeah, yeah. What'd you have into the green? Where were you on that second fairway? Um, so like I hit it to the hit it to the first fairway, hit it up over that bunker. So you're on the right side. You're like one eighty. Yeah, in. right side up onto the up onto the second fairway. One fifty in. Yeah, like one fifty in. Hit yeah. the green, two putted. Sick. Yeah. Did you know you were on the green? You didn't know you were on the green. I didn't know I was on the green. Such a no, good no, no. I think Peter was like right next to me. He's like, I think you're on. And we walk up and like, I probably have like a 12 footer. The green's kind of funny because it slopes away. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a little, like a, not a punch bowl, but it kind of like, there's a little hollow in there. Yeah. Absolutely. What was your favorite hole? Um, oh, that's so hard, man. What was the hole you played the best? Uh, 12. Yeah. 12. Dog leg left. Yeah. I took a, well, that's right. You birdied yeah. that hole. Yeah, I birdied that hole. Took an aggressive line over that like left side bunker, yeah. left side fairway bunker. Covered it off the tee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, covered it off the tee, middle of the fairway. Did you so, tug it or did it like overdraw? Um, I, I like I just hit a draw straight over it. Yeah, so it, like and that was right. your intended yeah. line. That was the intended line. Beast. Yeah. Did you know how far you had to cover the bunker? Uh, 
we had we had a yardage book. Peter yeah. told me, yeah. So I was like, I was like, I think I think I got that like two seventy or something. Yeah, Sick. yeah. I think I like I probably carried it like two fifty five something like that, and okay. just like scooted on up low spin. Yeah. What did you have into the green? Uh, I think I had like I think I had like one forty into the green, something like that. Wow. Yeah, and then I like I overdrew that a bit, so I was on like the left side of the green. Pin was on the right, and it slopes from back to front if i remember right and then r right to left <laughs> getting excited um yeah and then uh it was just like a giant breaking putt probably like 30 feet oh yeah and just drilled it right center center of the cup yeah i like i'll never forget that so good i mean a, a birdie at beth page is like no one no one uh, you're not owed that it's like yeah. a birdie net eagle in a way yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Bethpage is hard. Especially because yeah. 10 and 11 are really hard. 10 and 11 are really hard. And yeah. so you're coming off 11, and you're probably feeling like you suck. Right. I mean, I am. I remember, I, I remember 12 is a tee box that's a very unique tee box because it's, like, it's kind of like this open area down there. Yeah. And you're coming off of 10 and 11, and you're like, I didn't even hit the green on 10. On 11, I probably lost my ball because the 11th fairway is kind of tight or whatever. Yeah. Uh -huh. and there's, like, these big mounds. And then 12, you're just like, I'm glad to be alive. Yeah. And now I'm turning 90 degrees. Man, it's, it's such a such a good course. Yeah, the... Uh, How about 15? What, which one's... The which first one across the road after the par three. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uphill, left. Yeah. Um, that's a beast. Yeah, that's a beast of a hole. I think I bogeyed that one. Yeah, I mean, that day, like, Beth Page is really hard. I was playing from... Probably like the longest I've played in a long time. I oh, think it was made like, it extra hard. Yeah, sixty-eight plus. Okay. Um, which like is long for me. I usually play from anywhere around like sixty-two to sixty-five at the courses I played normally. So it was like very long, longer than like I thought it was because yeah. we like talked to the starter after. He's like, "No, you're not playing sixty-five today. You're, you that was like sixty-eight." And I was like, "Oh wow, yeah." Shot ninety-two was like well, not bad. Yeah, I was super proud of that ninety-two. Yeah, because yeah. like. I don't know. It's probably the best ball striking, you know, like of any round I've had in a long time. What a way to show up. Because you slept in the car the night before? Yeah, slept in the car. I mean, I think sometimes that helps. I would, if, like, yes, like, if you're, like, a Long Island resident, you can get on the course. But, like, don't hit up your Long Island friends. Just go to the course, do the pilgrimage, spend the night in the parking lot. It's, it's exciting because, like, at 5 a.m. they come through, they knock on your window, they hand you a ticket, and then... What I didn't realize is that it's not like a civil, like a little, uh, like a civil, like trek to the clubhouse. People get their ticket and then they haul ass. Right. Cars are like burning out, like speeding to to the front parking lot. Yeah. And like, I, I was just like, Peter's like, come on, like, we gotta, we gotta, like, gotta, gotta go. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was like this. So we like, we get, we get ready very fast. We haul ass over to the, to the clubhouse. It's chaotic. They're calling numbers and we got a 9 a.m. tea time. Dude. Yeah, so good. That's that's like the extra experience. Yeah. It's kind of like um it's like supreme. People standing outside in the line yeah. in front of the store. Exactly. Like waiting yeah. for the first iPhone. It's like Yeah. Yeah. It's like a long standing hype beast golf course. Yeah. Know? I mean the same with the old course, you know, like people get in line the, right, night the lottery system. Except at the old course you're not in your car. Yeah. You're like literally sitting in line. You're in the rain? Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever done that? Yeah. 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 I didn't. We. I've done it a couple times. We didn't. We. Uh, yeah. I actually uh, got a tea time and I missed it because um, my I was up there at like 
you know, five or 6 AM mm-hmm. and they were like, you can get an 11 o'clock. And then I, um, like went back to take a nap. Oh no. And I like woke up kind of late. How did you like, how did that compare to all the times you slept through something and looked at a clock? I felt pretty shitty. Yeah. Like it was worse. It was the worst. Yeah. But then, and then I was like driving to the course as though I had time. Yeah. Was that, what time was it? I mean, I, I think the tea time was like 10.55 or something. And I think I got to the course at like 10.55. Oh, man. And I was like, hey, I'm here. They're like, sorry, we gave it away. And I was like, oh. No. <laughs> this was the first time I ever played it. This is, this is the first episode of Adventures in Golf. Is that part of the episode? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm on GoPro. Okay. And I'm in there and I'm like, can I please play it? And then I was like, look, like, and there was a bit of fabrication in there, but I was like, what if I intern? Can I like play this afternoon? And then I obviously, I had no connection to the RNA at this point. Like I was, I was like, uh, I I had no type of like industry, you know, like nowadays we can show up to the old course and just kind of play. I mean, even that's even hard. Let's be real. It's harder. Yeah. But it's harder. But my stomach hurts like thinking about that like yeah. showing up and then and also you're like you have an episode yeah, you know whole, what i mean episode, like, like, i mean there's a social bit there first time first time at the old course i missed my tea time <laughs> like uh, yeah i mean like the only way to wrap up the pod is to finish up the last episode of adventures in golf bermuda. for this season <laughs> <laughs> bermuda man which has been a five episode capsule you know united said go to some islands and we were like hold my ketone IQ <laughs> and we like went to Hawaii for a week and now we just got back and Bermuda was like I think all of us really left with like a real sleeper bit of intel right I mean yeah Kefra, you were I think mo- b- b- between all of us you were the most kind of blown away yeah I mean like well like a lot of people I thought Bermuda was in the Caribbean <laughs> and I, I didn't see it as like the middle of the Atlantic and I don't feel so dumb because like that's what everybody said the whole time we were in Bermuda it's like everybody thinks it's in the Caribbean yeah we're not in we're not like a Caribbean island um and I expected it the culture there to be more like St. Lucia or Jamaica or the Bahamas and it's like it is in a way but like it's it's definitely also not meaning like uh like relax man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like it's all good. Like a lot of barefoot stuff going on. A lot of like street vendors. A lot yeah. of like, yeah, you know, bars with no doors and music. And like mm-hmm. Bermuda was very much more like it felt like London. Absolutely. I mean, but like it felt like a lot of things. Like, yeah, you can tell there's like so much. There's influence from so many places just due to the advantageous location of yeah. Bermuda. Everybody like wanted a piece of Bermuda because, you know, it's like right. You know, it's between London and New York. Yeah. And, I, like, I know it was, like, a big, like, pirate outpost for a while, and they, like, dealt with all that for, yeah. for a long period of time. Um, so, I don't know. That's my favorite. Like, that's why I love Turkey. Like, it's just a melting pot of cultures. Yeah. And, like, that's what I felt like Bermuda was, but, like, it has, it has like, matured in a way that, like, it has evolved in a way that, like, melting pot in, in it's manifested this weird thing. The first thing I noticed was the accent. The Bermudan accent is wild. Yeah, whom? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, house. Like house, I don't. Whom. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a Baltimore. Baltimore accent. Southern English Canadian. Yeah, yeah. island and Absolutely. like yeah, Jamaican. Jamaican. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for if you don't know, Bermuda was formed by a volcano 110 million years ago. Ooh, and then, as far as we know, the first time a person ever set foot on land there was in 1609. 
1500. 1500 is the first time that Juan de Bermudez um, sailed around the island. Yeah. And uh, oh, didn't he leave the pigs? And then supposedly left like a pig or two. He left the pigs, but didn't keep the island. Yeah, very, and very he named it. odd decisions. But um, He left it a name and some pigs. But, but didn't claim but, it. But also said, whoever wants it can take it. Yeah, and I would love to see, more than anything, a infographic, like a map of the world that showed me the first time humans ever set foot on that that piece of land. That'd be a cool map. Because yeah. I wonder, like, Bermuda's got to be an outlier. Yeah, it's kind of late late to the party. So it's 400,000 years late. I also will say, like, I think the world needs more people like Juan de Bermudez. Oh, who's just leaving pigs? I mean, he's names? thinking ahead. Yeah, he's like, he, oh, if I put a population of pigs on the island, then I have food for later. Yeah. He's yeah, like, but he's not claiming it. Yeah, not and He also was like, this isn't mine. Yeah. You I'll name I mean? it after me, but. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'll tell you what. Me. I'll tell you what I'll do. I want naming rights, but I don't want to. I don't want to own the island. He's like, yeah. I'm. He's doing the opposite of bringing home the bacon. He's bringing. <laughs> he's bringing the bacon. Bringing the bacon. Yeah. Yeah. He's leaving the bacon elsewhere. I also loved about you know in St. Lucia. It struck me later. How many times do you say you do an episode where you go and you only look at one golf course? Yeah, I mean it. It happens. Mm-hmm. It happens. I mean, like Lido. You know, um, but Lido like opens on a different golf course. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And like, the, you know, on that trip, you must have played other golf courses. What was so great about Bermuda is we went in there and we actually went in to film a different episode. We were going to play. We did, yeah, as we, we do. We were going to do every single one on the island, which supposedly Bermuda has the highest per capita number of golf courses in the world. Yeah, and ge- uh, ge- geographically, seven percent of Bermuda is covered by golf course, which is wild. Absolutely. Hard to consider. Yeah. That would be the state of Texas covered in golf. That'd be millions of golf holes. Just imagine. Yeah. Dude, talk about like that would that would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I want to I would like to see it happen. And we went to Bermuda and um and immediately there were two golf courses, Ocean View and Mid Ocean. One, you know, this storied um uh d- you know, C V McDonald design, and the other this like more local Muni nine hole. And it you know, I think the second, and I asked Simon about this, our director of photography, um, we were coming back and I was asking him, you know, how the trip go, some thoughts. And he pointed out that as soon as we got to mid uh, ocean view, you like changed a little bit. Me? Yeah. He was like, Eric just like, he like, he got really excited <laughs> and just started like going, like he found a new gear. Yeah. And I was like, do, do you, do you, are you conscious of that? Cause I, I also kind of saw the same thing. Cause the second we went in that boardroom, there are all these black and white photos on the wall. Yeah. Of all these old golfers and the story kind of presents itself. And then it's yeah. like, you know, you have to go and you take it. Like in that moment, you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm in, this is going to be a good one. And I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a DJ and you show up to do a show and someone's like, here are your records. Right. It's, it, it depends on what records you get. And yeah. like we showed up and the first record was, Quentin Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Right? Like a, you know, a man in his 40s who grew up playing golf, doesn't know his heritage by by fact of, you know, slavery is what brought his family to the island, uh, who knows how many generations ago. Um, obsessed with teaching golf to underprivileged youth and has so much so decided to move to Ghana to like retrace his roots, which are will never be known to him, and lives like in the moment, like big smile. Like every Bermudian, like absolutely obsessed with the history of his island, which again is a bit ironic because his own personal history is like, you know, not written down. And, you know, you have this, you have this guy who's just like a, a living example of like what good golf can bring to the community. 
Um, and, you know, it's always such a relief when you're peppering a subject with questions and they have the answers. And even if they don't, they have an opinion mm -hmm. or they, right. they'll have a little story to tell. And like, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, we played this game in St. Lucia, which is uh, when you have too many people to play a game of chess, you play hand and, and head or whatever. Yeah, hand, brain. hand brain. Hand brain. So one person is saying, move the rook and the other decides which rook where. And so on some level, like an interview is like that, where you're like, you know, um, you can't tell them what to say. That's not our business. Right. Right. But like you can ask them a question that you think will get them to put the, the, the piece in that position. Or maybe they'll find even a better move that you didn't even know was going to come. And so, right. yeah, as, as soon as we met Quentin, it was just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting, you know, because you could tell, like, not only did he love Ocean View, this kind of like mediocre nine hole course that a lot of people at Mid Ocean had never played. Right. You know, it's it's sort of meaningless on the the scale of you know relevant golf courses measured in the same way uh, mid ocean is in terms of architecture and exclusivity and you know ocean holes or whatever. But like you know for Quinton that was his like top one hundred golf course. Well, he yeah. left. He was he was a member at Mid Ocean. Yeah. He was the club <laughs> champion at Mid Ocean, and every year they played Ocean View. And what team did he play for as the current club champion of Mid-Ocean? Yeah. Played for Ocean View. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that for me is like, you know, and, and on some level, like, that was challenged at, um, you know, Cabot because, you know, we had other difficulties that were new, which were like more like about speakers, mm -hmm. right? Like, we, we, we couldn't record audio very well. And, like, we didn't really have, like, you know, we, we had like new logistical problems that didn't relate to the creative of the story, but it slowed us down and it sort of, di it, di it directed our like brain energy towards problems that we're used to not having to solve Yeah, yeah. because we just go rip an interview and we didn't have any of that at Bermuda. In fact, we got a full day of rain, but like it was perfect. We used it. We were inside all day. We ended up yeah. in the basement of Gosling's Rum Factory. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. so awesome. Yeah. We went to get some records. We like did a couple interviews inside and it was like. Yeah, I don't know. People like Quentin really are what make the show what it is, you know? And I think if we have any ability at all, it's to find people like him and recognize that he's the story. Yeah. You know, and just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, hold the camera steady. Yeah. And, like, do our best to, like, make sure that he's standing in a way that the light paints him well. Yeah. Yeah. Just let him talk. Bermuda is going to be a fantastic episode. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that. I think we're so excited for Kawhi. We're so excited for all of them. Um, you know, coming to a United headrest near you at the end of this month. <laughs> um, and, of course, thanks to the Scratch and the PGA Tour, as, as always. Uh, and we're so excited for the next adventure. Yeah. Where will it be? A lot this year. we got a lot of plans. <laughs> <laughs>